Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Welcome back to season two of the Real Estate Rundown. Today, we have got a treat for you guys. We are interviewing a wonderful lady who's been involved in real estate for quite some time. She's actually written a couple of books. She's involved, very active in building an online community. She's uh, really focused on education as well, which is something that you guys know me. That's one of the things that I love is to make sure that we've got education involved in these well, at least multi-million dollar transactions at some point. So uh, guys, welcome Nancy Wallace-Lobs to the show. Welcome, Nancy. How are you? Hey, I'm good. And welcome to your audience. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. So Nancy, you've you've done a lot. I mean, we were talking before <laughs> the show. I think you, you like me, you know, you've done everything from flips to, you know, renovations to new construction. Uh, give everybody kind of a, you know, a, three-minute overview of where you where you came from and what got you to the place you're at now, and then we can start our conversation. Okay, so I'll try to condense it in three minutes. So um, I started my real estate investing career with buy and holds, and I was brand new investor, you know, very nervous about buying my first deal, didn't know, you know, anything about really real estate investing, so kind of took a leap of faith and bought this property. And uh, one of the things I was very curious about, because I knew I wanted to be a landlord, was how to manage. Because I think you can lose a lot of money. You can get a great deal, but if you put the wrong tin in there. So I um, ended up um, getting a job as a property manager, almost like an assistant. And I worked my way up to actually owning my own property management business. And in 2015, I stopped doing property management because then I was doing a lot of speaking and training. So through the years of with the changes in the market, we have changed our tactics of how we're investing. Because I think as a, you know, a savvy investor, you kind of have to look around at what's going on. So then I got asked to speak on, you know, how to start an Airbnb business, because we've done that. Uh, how to invest with your self-directed IRA, you know, how you can build wealth, tax-free, tax-deferred, um, great strategy. And, um, and then the property management. So yes, I've written a couple books about what my most famous one is called Winning Deals and Heels. It's kind of my story about how I got started. And I think everyone needs to know, especially if they're brand new, everybody has the fear, the fear they're going to lose the money, fear they don't know what they're doing. And that's why, you know, I do a lot of coaching and teaching and things like that. And, you know, develop my online courses because people need to know, you know, just to get the information. But you know, you have to overcome the fear and you only do that by educating yourself. So it just has progressed through the years. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of times I might fall into something. Uh, one of my um, most famous owner finance deals is I literally bought a property in 2018, sight unseen. It was in the historic district of Fort Worth, Texas for $10,000. Didn't know what I was going to do with that property. Stuck a sign in the yard, English, Spanish on um, one side, the other side. And we sold that thing for $50,000 and I didn't do anything. And I used my IRA. So um, that was just like 
uh, like an eye opener, like a lightning bulb, like, oh my gosh, you can actually do this. And so for the viewers that don't understand that strategy, you know, I don't pay taxes on that money that I'm getting that cash flow. Um, It's all in my self-directed IRA. So that's just one strategy that I love. You know, and that's, and that's a key component too, because, you know, I think that, you know, one of the reasons that I have this podcast and that I do a lot of education uh, for, uh, you know, my audience and for, for our investors as well is for, for that same reason. You know, I think that uh, 2008 with a very educated audience would have looked a lot different, right? Yes. There was, uh, you know, there was, I mean, we, we saw this all over the news when, as the market was crashing, all these people that got involved in these arm loans, adjustable rate mortgages. And when they adjusted, they're like, I had no idea. They didn't understand. And, you know, I think that when people look at this, uh, you know, at real estate investing, they go, well, you know, I'm supposed to make a lot of money right away. And that's not really the case either. And so when people look at that and they go, well, you know, how come the, how come I didn't make a million dollars my first year? Well, you know, that's (laughs) education piece. Right. And, and, you know, then you follow that up with the, with the property management piece, which I love, right. It's something that we do because there is nothing that will make you more money or cost you more money uh, in the deal. Exactly. And, and one of the things that people don't understand is in commercial real estate, especially, you're trading on NOI. So your net operating income is really all they're looking at, right? I mean, you could have the best looking building on the street, but if your rents aren't there, you're not going to get the sales price. If you've got terrible management and your expenses are out of control, you're not going to get the price up that you want. What are some of the things that you commonly see people make the mistake in property management that that really hurts their NOI that you like to teach them, don't do this stuff. Do this. Yeah, do this no, good way question. Right. So I'm going to give you kind of my top three. So number one would be to purchase a property. And let's say your mortgage is $1,400 a month, unless you pay cash for it. But let's assume that, you know, you're putting 20, 25% down. You got a mortgage of 14. You have the property taxes. You have your insurance. So your payment, you know, your maintenance costs, your holding costs are about $1,800 a month. And you ended up buying into a property, an area that the top of the line rents are $1,600. So I think that's the, they don't do the research on what I could get for rents. So that's number one. Number two, they get the property and, you know, maybe the renovation took a little bit longer or they're getting nervous because they have that payment coming up. So they just put a tenant in there. And I have seen this time and time again, where people just don't take the time to do the proper background checks, screening. There's so many ways that you can screen a tenant that save you money. Number three is running to a property, a vacant property, every time you want to show it. So in my system, what I do is I have four questions that I ask any applicant before I even, you know, hang up the phone and go walk and show them a property. So proper screening, getting that tenant. And then the third thing I see is not an ironclad lease agreement that set expectations up front with that tenant. So I think those are the three biggest things I see um, landlords make. And, you know, a lot of investors will, they'll they'll be really happy they got this property. And everyone thinks property management is just a breeze to do, you know, and, um, and, you know, it's, if you're organized, you have to have good organizational skills. If you're going to do property management, you have to have good communication skills. And I even talk about this in my book. Um, It's called simple property management. You know, even if you're doing Airbnb and you want to manage your own properties, if you're disorganized, you don't really have great customer service skills. Property management 
managing short-term rentals is not going to be your, you know, no. your area of expertise. So I think when people just get into the situation where they're like, oh, I'm going to get this person out. And just the fourth problem I see people doing is they allow people to either move in early and they didn't collect in certified funds, the security deposit, the pet deposit, the, yep. you know, first month's rent. And then, or they took a personal check and then it bounces, you know? So, um, so those are the yeah. four biggies. I could go on and on about what happened in COVID and that kind of stuff, but yeah. those problems still continue to, to um, landlords are still making those, those mistakes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always encourage people to do is I encourage them to take their own salary and divide that by hours in the day and then ask them what their overtime rate is because they got a full-time job and mm -hmm. now you can do property management on the weekend, right? And let's just assume that you're going to be as good at this as Nancy is going to be at this and you're working on overtime. So if you're making 60 grand a year, you're about 40 bucks an hour. So $60 an hour is your property manager not going to be about the same price? And then you get to enjoy your Saturday or your Friday night or whatever important event you had. That's when the toilet's going to break, right? We know that. And so when you have those things, you really need to look at what are you good at? Like you said, are you really organized enough? Do you really have the knowledge? Are you systematized? And then is it really something you want to do? Because one of the things that I see a lot of people do is think that they can do it instead of learn on the job, right? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe buy your first three properties, give it to a property <clears throat> manager, watch them for a year, right? And then decide, yes, I want to do this. I want to learn more from Nancy. I want to go through a course because I see what they're doing. And obviously, if they're a professional, I can assume that they quote unquote, know what they're doing. And that's not always true with property managers. Right? It, okay. So a good point. So the, the, <laughs> the fifth thing is to right. hire the cheapest property manager, right? So I have a chapter that I actually like, if you wait, want wait, to wait, 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 are you advocating to hire the cheapest? Uh, no, no, I'm saying oh. they make the mistake to hire the cheapest. Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. Because, well, you know, <laughs> in property management world, you know, the talking about fees and things like that. But, you know, generally it's about 10% for, you know, a, a yeah. single family yeah. homes, yeah. or you can do 8%, you know, if you have multiple, multiple families, but if you're talking to somebody who's going to do it for a flat fee or 2% or 5%, they probably have add-ons. So yeah. one of the things I do, and I have a whole chapter dedicated to, if you want to hire a property manager, here's what you need to ask them. So one, I'm just going to throw out one question. Um, I bet I could call up 20 property managers just here in my own backyard and ask them, what is your eviction ratio? And they won't be able to tell me because they, you know, oh, we'll see, you know. So mine was always less than 1%. Why? Because I had, I set expectations up front with yeah. through my lease and my um, document that I created with my lease agreement. And uh, I have good communication. I'm organized. So, you know, you are going to have those tenants from time to time that don't pay. Sure. Um, but we didn't have to go to eviction court very much. And so I'm happy to say that I've never even been to the point where, you know, they file a popper's affidavit because we get them out. Right? right. Now I'm in Texas, you know, a little bit more friendlier than, you know, California or New York. But there's there's ways around avoiding eviction court. But there's also, that's part of the strategy, right? You want to be, when you're becoming a landlord, you want to make sure that, that 
the deck is stacked in your favor because you're the one with the multi, uh, the, the couple hundred thousand dollar asset or the multi-million dollar asset. You're the one that, that has everything really to lose. And so you want to make sure that you're, you're taking that strategy and making sure that you're protected as best you can. You know, one of the things that uh, you're talking about with your communication, your expectations, I, I hear this all the time. Well, I thought, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. I get that. But what does the document say? Right. Because because we can understand that. And we've actually gone through some of our uh, some of our uh, early on with our leases and gone back in in very specific sections, made them initial this section. Right. When somebody else moves in the property, initial this section, you've read it, you understand that they have to be on the lease. Right. When you if you move in, no dog, you get a dog. You have to read this section. Here's our pet policy, because people they read their lease, maybe, or they just come <laughs> in and they sign it, right? Most people just come in and sign it, right? They Nancy? just sign it. They don't they read just, it. We, you know, it. yeah, I remember the first, you know, first time around and I had like a mentor to help me, you know, so I did, I made some yeah. mistakes, um, you know, but one of the things that I found out early on, so in Texas, if you've got a pet and a dog and, you know, the, the lease is a, at least 16 pages, if not more, right? Teeny tiny print. No, the tenants, I can guarantee you, they're not reading it, right? So what we did is I actually came up with a, an additional document, which is in the book. People get a copy yep. of it. Um, and we had like a welcome packet. And so yep. in that welcome packet, they had to initial everything because here's a little tip. If you are a landlord and you have your lease, make sure that your tenant is initialing and dating on each page. Because if you have to go to court over a particular part of the lease, you know, the tenant can literally come back and say, I never got that. So you always, it's always, the onus is always on the landlord. So setting the expectations right up. And I know in Texas, it gets really, really hot, right? So we have right in, you know, pretty, a good section about repairs. And it just says, air conditioning is not an emergency. Now, if you're, you know, 82 or you have babies, then it is. But sure. just because, so I, I ha- actually had a tenant one year, <clears throat> it was a couple and they were, I would say in their thirties. So, you know, working and they, ha- they were just, they were on the verge of being evicted. They hadn't paid their rent. Well, it was hot and, um, you know, they wanted us to come out and replace the air conditioning and they hadn't paid the rent. Now this might sound cold to people, um, as far as like, but you know, it's a business and if yeah. you're not collecting rent. And you will be amazed at how fast those tenants will pay rent. If you go, you know what? I can have somebody out there this afternoon as soon as I receive your certified rent plus the late fees. Um, you know, because tenants, you yeah. give them, and this is a generalization, but if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Absolutely. And so I actually learned that lesson very early on. You know, I had a tenant that was habitually late. Um, he ended up staying with me for like six, seven years. And it was only because once you start accepting rent late from a tenant on an ongoing basis, it's, um, you know, you can't just go to court and say, oh, well, their rent is due on the first. And if they can show a pattern where I've accepted the rent, so don't accept rent late, stick to right. your guns. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I, I, I'm getting this vision, Nancy, of your next book, Everything I Learned in Property Management that I'm applying to marriage counseling, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, communication, right? Expectations, you know, you can't leave your socks right next to the hamper. You got to put them in the hamper. You can't, you know, but, but it, it's so true. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about this stuff and it seems so basic, right? Uh-huh. But this is the difference between the renter mentality 
and the entrepreneur owner mentality where we just assume because we saved our pennies, right? We came up with the down payment. We went out and spent our Saturday looking for a property. We, we think like this. And so often we forget that they don't. That's why they're right. Tenant, right? Or they haven't matured to that point and they're in that process. And a lot of that can be set with just the tone. When yes. you say, guys, you're, today's the sixth, policy's the fifth, you got a late payment penalty. Uh, hopefully we don't continue to do that. You know, again, they do it next month, same late penalty. They're not going to continue to do that on, a, on an ongoing basis, more than likely, because they're going to see that it's not worth their time to continually not make it to the mailbox on time. Right. Exactly. And I think the landlords, what landlords have to really understand is the onus is on them. It's not on the tenant. I mean, if you want a tenant that pays late, then you're going to set the tone by accepting rent late and things like that. Um, You know, I'm always asked about like emotional support animals. So I'm a pet lover and all of my, even my Airbnbs are pet friendly. You know, it's just not because 99% of the people out there, you know, have a pet. So another tip is if you have a property and it's not leasing, you know, you need to accept pets, you know, get a pet deposit and all that. But, um, you know, people are just human, but it's a business and it's Mm -hmm. up to the landlord. It's your business. You need to set the tone and the expectation with the tenant. I mean, I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying, and you know what? The the tenant will respect you for that. They might not like it, you know, that they have to pay their rent, but at least when you tell them, and, you know, we were talking about the lease. So, you know, we had long, long time tenants um, and, you know, somebody signs a lease that they're supposed to move in you know, July 1, they signed the lease on June 15th and about security deposits. So what happens is the most litigious part of being a landlord is the security deposit. So if you set the tone early on, you know, so when I meet with people that are moving in, once I've gone through the whole process, I'll go, hey, I know it's going to be, you know, a year or two down the road, but I just want to go over this section of how you can get your security deposit back. You know, so right. I let them know they can get it back. Um, so that it's not a complete surprise when they, you know, don't clean the carpet or, you know, leave trash or whatever. So again, if the landlord just takes the responsibility there, your job will be so much easier. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because the, the rental car business has done the same thing, right? They say, Hey, would you like us just to go ahead and fuel the car for Mm -hmm. you? Right. It's the same expectation because people now, know that they can do that. And, and I've seen that with, with everything, you know, where we've taken that same policy. Everybody's got a pet. You might as well take it from a pain in the butt to an expectation that your dog Fido is a $350 non-refundable deposit and he's 40 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Tell me how much you love your pet. Everybody's going to pay it. You just created another revenue stream out of a headache, right? Yes, exactly. And then you still got to deal with, you know, did Fifi pee all over everything or that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but at least you're dealing with it for a price, right? You're right. getting that up front instead of we, we kept butting our heads against that. And you get this, you know, we fill out the online form and you pay five bucks and now you got a service animal. And it's not a service animal. I mean, you know, it's a wolf for crying out loud. But, <laughs> you know, uh, we actually had a service goat one time. It was, it was ridiculous. But- <laughs> We, we worked our way through that, but you know, the, the things you learn in property management and, you know, back to this whole thing of people can go this on their own. They can learn the lumps and the, and the, and the knots and the, 
you know, going through the courts and, and dealing with late tenants, or you can buy a book or you can learn from somebody else's mistakes. And, you know, I'm, I'm second generation builder developer, fourth generation realtor, and I've learned from my parents. I've learned from other people in the industry. And I've also learned that I'm not near as smart as I think I am. So when I want to go prove that I'm smart, I prove that the book that I should have read was probably where the smarts were because we can shorten that timeline. You've yes. also created that online community. Tell me a little bit more about that and how that works. To okay. Help. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. So um, prior to the COVID, I used to run a couple of meetups here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I was a chapter leader for another larger investor group. And, you know, then COVID kind of, we tried to keep it up and just, you know, people were over Zoomed. So um, I thought, you know, I want to start that up again. I miss the um, networking, want to have a little more control over my groups. And I actually was a sponsor at a conference about the end of September. And uh, I was meeting people from all over the country. And I think as an investor, I only have invested in Texas, but I would love to invest in, you know, Florida or maybe not California, but other places. Yeah. So we started getting people that were from other states. So number one, I can learn about, well, everybody in the group can learn about what's going on in different markets. So usually what happens on the East and West Coast eventually makes its way to the Midwest. You can kind of keep track of, um, of different trends. The other thing is I bring education. So, um, you know, we just launched this new one in October. Um, but one of the interesting things I'm doing is looking at all different, because the economy is changing, you know, interest rates have gone up and real estate investors need to learn to diversify. So we're actually having a guy come in and talk about the beginnings of, you know, if you were to look at oil and gas, is that a good right. investment right now? You know what I mean? Right. Then we'll have somebody come in and talk about multifamily and private money lending. So it's going to be mostly education, but then it's an online networking group that people can talk with one another. So let's say, you know, somebody said, oh, I have money to lend and I have a property to buy. So they'll be able to communicate. Um, but yeah, we would love anybody that would love to uh, reach out to me. It's uh, right in the format right now is a meetup, but we're actually going to change it, I think, in December or January to a more uh, communal type of uh, yeah. environment. But yeah, it's all online. And just so you know, it's not a 70s commune type of a situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, you know, right now we have we're doing Zoom through Meetup and right. that kind of thing. But I think we're going to move to a more uh, I don't know what the, you know, the techo name is for the so yeah. that it can expand and people can really communicate with one another. So, well, so. you know, the, the 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 real great thing about that is, you know, somebody may come into the group thinking that, ah, man. I got to figure out how to do this. I got to buy real estate. I got to this. And then after hearing that, they may realize that, wait a minute, I can get a decent return just being a lender and put myself in first position to where I don't have to deal with the headaches. I don't have to deal with all these things. I can be a lender and get what I want out of it. That's the community that really works because then what you started to do is you start assembling all the pieces and then you realize every problem that a a real estate person or an investor has can be solved in the group because you've got the guy that says, Oh gosh, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I have some capital gains I want to deal with while well, there's oil and gas or there's this, you know, how do you transition? How do you deal with that? And all of those kinds of things can be solved. And I found that being a part of that community has grown me more as a 
investor, as an educator, as someone that can bring value to people because I've learned something. You know, where exactly. else are you going to go and learn about oil and gas other than getting blasted in the face from some right. sales And job? so we had an opportunity and I, I met, uh, you know, we don't endorse anything or anything like that, but it was something I hadn't been exposed to. I was like, oh, I'm going to have my group do this, you know. And the other thing I think that investors struggle with, especially when they're new, is they don't know, what, like they have a lead, they, they have something under contract, they have a property, but they just don't, you know, maybe they only know buy and hold, but they're like, well, this isn't really going to work. Well, do they know about other strategies they could do, right? right. So then they can, we can do deal analysis. We can exactly. look at, well, this would be a good buy, not good buy. A lot of people ask me all the time, you know, well, where, you know, uh, where can I find a good Airbnb? Well, you know yep. what? It depends. <laughs> Exactly. You know, if you have like no money for an Airbnb, like you might be able to buy it, but you don't have any money to stock it. Quite doesn't matter where it's going to be. You know what I mean? Right. So I think, you know, so that's kind of my goal with the community. It's a place where people can find answers. Yeah. I definitely don't know anything. So I love the community networking because, you know, I might meet somebody. Like I met somebody that, you know, knew this uh, oil and gas thing. I was like, well, that sounds really interesting. And just like a little precursor, the presentation that I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a real estate model. So yep. at first I didn't think I was going to understand it or anything. And then they start talking about their PUD, which is appreciation and, you know, the tax benefits and the, yep. you know, how they look at ROI and a lot of the terms that they use for that type of investing also translates to real estate investing. So you don't have to be a genius in oil and gas to understand how to invest in it. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's really true. And that's the reality when you've got that and then you're sitting in a community group, right? So now you've got Mm -hmm. somebody that maybe has done it before, maybe their uncle did it, but you're able to ask those questions, right? And you're able to see that come together. And then you truly have that diversification, right? If we all look back on the last 12, 14 months, 16 months at the beginning of COVID, when oil went to negative $40 a barrel, my goodness, <laughs> wouldn't that have been a great place to invest? And then realizing that the tax strategies with oil and gas are as good as real estate, and then being able to diversify back and forth and, and, and see that that's not something you're going to get because there's not an oil and gas meetup. Exactly. Right? And so, just to, to let your viewers know, as long as I've been doing investing, this is the first uh, but, you know, I just learned about this maybe six weeks ago and I've right. been, and I go to tons of networking. I go to conferences. Yep. So I thought it was very interesting because I didn't really know anything. Um, so I said, well, you know what, I'm bringing this to the group. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. And I think yeah. too, the other thing with the education about where are we going as, you know, where's the housing industry going, right? right. I mean, we know interest rates are going up. There's a housing shortage. Affordable housing is a problem. So there's some ideas floating around, even in my own head about how that Mm -hmm. can be solved. And so I can go to this group and say, Hey, you know, what do you guys think of this idea? And what if we pulled our money and made this happen kind of thing. Right. Right. And you know, that's where you're going to get ideas that weren't your own, or you're going to get the spark for a new idea for yourself and all Mm -hmm. of the awesome things, because you're going to grow, your education is going to grow, your investor uh, mindset's going to grow. All of that's going to happen. And that always happens in community. You know, that doesn't just happen on its own. I mean, you know, you, you can find <laughs> that information, but so often you find that that sparks an information or, or, you know, like with this podcast, you've got a book that you can read that'll spark that conversation. It'll get you going. Right. So 
Nancy, I, I really appreciate all of the information that you've given us because you really do have the experience and it shows. I mean, it shows that, I mean, we don't need to, to guess why you were featured in Forbes or Realtor.com or Profit <laughs> Like a Pro, right? Because you do express that knowledge. And the reality is that I love the fact that you're trying to give back to the community. You're trying to educate the community. Out of that, people will become smarter. People will see that they need services. That gives the opportunity for these things, but that's not what you're leading with. And I really appreciate that because it really comes across in what you're doing. If I've got a new investor that's listening, if I've got somebody that is really thinking about what they should do, what is your one go-to piece of advice for a new investor? So I'm just going to give them what I used when I first started out. So I still refer, so Gary Keller, you know, who started Keller Williams Realty, wrote a book a long time ago. It's the blue one. It's the real estate millionaire or how to become a real estate millionaire or something like that. And I read that book, even when I went, even before I bought my first property, my mentor said, you need to go read this book. And it was my Bible for buying single family homes. And I can share with the audience, every time I strayed from my three bedroom, two bath, 15 to 1800 square foot uh, formula, if you will, was not the best real estate deal, right? And that was, that was my Bible. Then through the years, I've read lots and lots of books, but that's how I got started. So, and I literally read that book in a day and a half, went back to my mentor, said, I'm ready to buy my first house. Now, I had butterflies in my stomach and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that I said, okay, this is going to work. And it's been a proven strategy for our rentals. Um, so I said, that's the first book. And then of course, uh, read my book, Simple Property Management. Right, right. <laughs> and it, even if you have no intention of being a property manager, it will be a good book for you to read that will show you whether or not the person you've selected yeah. is doing it right. Correct. I mean, it's like having a cheat code for whether or not this guy that you've hired or this gal that you've hired is doing it right by a professional, somebody that knows. I start out the first chapter and it literally says something like property management, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. (laughs) And then it goes through all property management. But I do have a chapter like if you end up loving it, um, I actually tell you how you can start a property management business. So, (laughs) yeah. And, and I am someone that doesn't love it. I do have a property management business inside my companies because I know we need one, right? But I'm not the guy to run that. I know that much. So guys, if you haven't uh, figured out, Nancy's mantra is always be giving. And she's definitely demonstrated. I want to tell you guys one more thing that Nancy does that she probably won't tell you this, but she donates a portion of all of her book sales to Hope's Door. That's a nonprofit that helps families with domestic violence. That's a fantastic cause. So not only is she educating, she's giving back to the community. And guys, if you want to know more about where you can find Nancy, shoot me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com. We'll get you all of her book titles. We'll get you all of her online information. You can connect with her there. Nancy, I want to say thanks again for joining us and being a part of our community. We look forward to being a part of yours as well and the relationship we can build in the future. That sounds like a plan. Love it. Thank you so much for having me on and everyone have a great day and happy holidays coming up. So. Right, exactly. So guys, you know the drill. Like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Uh, send me a review. I love to hear your feedback. And guys, always be sure and tune in to the next episode of The Real Estate Rundown. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations 
at www.shannonrobnet.com. And be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.